like to look with us. We are in the sixth chapter of Romans now. Uh, Romans chapter six. We looked at the first couple verses. Maybe we'll back up and start this chapter again. Uh, review those first couple verses. So we finished chapter five, and I realize we do this every time, but I think it's it's good. From the first of the book, we've looked at the sin and depravity of man the work of God to bring righteousness because man was hopeless and could do nothing by the law. So God brought salvation. God brought redemption. God brought righteousness and justification for man through Jesus Christ. And that justification is in Christ and Christ alone. There's no other other work to be done added to to compensate what Christ did. The justification of the church rests solely in what the Lord Jesus accomplished on the cross, in His resurrection, and in His ascension back to God the Father. And so there's no work to be done. The work is finished. It was finished at Calvary. All was fulfilled. Salvation was secured for all of God's elect. Nothing to be added to. So... In chapter 5, that's what he says at the very end. The law entered that sin might abound. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. There's never been a sinner that God was unable to redeem. The grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient to bring redemption, he says in 1 John chapter 2, for our sins, but not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And so there's, there is enough, plenteous redemption in the Lord Jesus and His accomplished work that if all the world were to trust in Him, there's enough grace there to save them all. The Lord's work completed and paid for the sin of the whole world. So in chapter 6, that leaves us at this place. Well, if you're saying that if I trust in Christ and Christ justifies me, and I'm justified eternally by the work of salvation in the Lord Jesus, then you're saying I can be saved, and then I can go live in sin and do however I want to do and still be saved when I die. Now that's the thinking of a lot of people today. Well, I believe in Jesus, and their life is in sin. Well, the Lord knew that that very question would come up in the minds of men. And I say this, that that is not will be clear. That is not what I believe, nor is that what I am saying. When I say my justification is 100% finished in the Lord Jesus, no matter what I do afterwards, that cannot be undone. The Lord Jesus said, they're in my hand, no man can pluck them out of my, my hand. But not only that, we're in the Father's hand as well. And the Father's greater than all. So the eternal life and the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ is sure, certain, and steadfast. And that's why the church don't have to fear today if we're going to die, is everything fixed up? Have I confessed everything? Have I done everything that I ought to do today? Have I got everything patched up so that if I die right now, I'll be able to go to heaven. The church ain't worried about that. You know why? 
You know why the church could lay, we could lay our head down today and die in peace? Because we're justified in the Lord Jesus Christ forevermore. But the Lord knew that question would come up. Well, you're saying people can live however they want to. Well, the thing about it is, salvation is not only justification. There's, there's more to it than just me being justified. And in chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue? That word means to stay over, to remain, or to persevere. <laughs> so it's like you go on vacation and you stay for a week. But instead of just staying for a week, when that week ends, you say, you know, I want to live here. So we're going to stay over and remain. We're going to get us an apartment. We'll buy us a house. We'll move and this is where we're going to remain. So he's saying, is it possible for somebody that God has justified for them to remain in sin where they've been their whole life after this work of justification? Can that happen? Well, he says, God forbid. Now, God forbids that to be the case. Not the church forbids, not mom and daddy forbids, but God forbids. And friends, God's the one that has power. Mom and daddy can, and they did forbid me to do a lot of things that I did anyway. The church can forbid things, and you can go and do them anyway. But when God forbids, God can prevent, God can keep. We're doing a Bible study right now on Elijah and Elisha. And God commanded the ravens to bring Elijah food down by the brook. Now you think about a raven. We might call them a crow. You know why they're called ravens? They're ravenous. They eat everything. They eat what's dead. They'll eat seed. They'll eat bread. They eat it all. So to think that a raven then is going to bring food, that's completely against and opposed to their nature, isn't it? In order for them to carry Elijah bread and meat, they're going to have to do something that is completely contrary to the nature that they have. Do you know why they did that? God said, I've commanded them to, and they're going to do it. It ain't up to them to do it. They're not going to decide this morning whether they're going to eat that or bring it to you because if they were left to decide for themselves, they would eat it every time. Elijah would never have anything to eat. But God said, ravens, you're going to take Elijah that. And they took it. This is a God that has power. And when God says, God forbid, God can prevent that from happening. So this work of justification is not only the church being made righteous through the work of Jesus Christ, but the work of regeneration as well that prevents man by the power of God from continuing in sin as he was before justification. There is a work of God in the heart that transforms the life of man. Now, in the next chapter we'll cover it. This does not mean that we're perfect. It does not mean that we do not sin or that we don't struggle with sin. 
He will cover that as well. But it does mean this, that when somebody gets saved, if they truly are born again when they get up, their life from that point forward will be different and new. That God will regenerate and make a new creature. We've heard all of the Scripture quoted time and time again. They'll be born again. They'll be translated from darkness into light. The Lord Jesus said they they would be resurrected from death unto life. Paul said that they would be right here, new creatures in Corinthians, and here they're going to be raised up with a new life over and over and over again. It's referenced and spoken of. This is part of salvation. This ain't I'm saved and I'm growing into it gradually. This is God when He justifies a man. He regenerates him as well in the inward man. God makes new creatures out of those that are His. So He asks the question, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So I think one of the most powerful ways to make a point is you ask a question that you know the answer to and you let people answer it for themselves. So God says, you tell me, is it possible for somebody that I have redeemed from sin, regenerated and made a new creature out of them, changing their desires, their wants, their actions, changing everything about that person? Well, I don't believe that that happens. Well, He says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's the word, ain't it? So is it possible for somebody that God has redeemed and justified and now the Holy Ghost of God, the grace of God, is dwelling inside of them, is it possible for them to continue in sin? That's a question to you. Is it? Can somebody that God has saved and is dwelling in, can they continue on like they always were? Why? God forbid. God's going to prevent His children from continuing in the lifestyle of error that they were in before. I'm going to do everything I can to prevent my children from living like a bunch of heathens. Well, God cares for His children the same way. But God's as far as the heavens are above the earth, above me. And while I can do my best, but I can't completely prevent it, God is able to keep His children by the power of God that worketh within them. So, uh, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. And so the Lord Jesus, the work of Christ, we all know what Christ accomplished. He accomplished His decease. He died and He rose again and He ascended back to the Father. Well, don't you know that what we're baptized in is His death? What brought uh, forgiveness for our sins? His death. How can we approach God through His death? 
How are we justified and our sin paid for in the sight of God? Through His death. It's all through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And outside of His death, we've got nothing. I believe we all know and we all believe that. So when we were baptized, immersed, we were immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus so that we, our old man, that was in sin, that was guilty, that was wicked, and the old man still is guilty and wicked, but he's now immersed, baptized in the Lord Jesus and into his death so that the Lord, substitutionary atonement, the Lord took our place in death He died for us. And we say that a lot of times, well, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to help you and do this for you. That's not what he's saying when he says he died for us. I was supposed to die, and the Lord died for me. What I owed, the Lord paid that. And so the Lord died in my place. We were baptized into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So he's taking the picture of Jesus. He's applying that to you and I that are saved and to all them that would be saved. And so the Lord Jesus died. He was buried. And He rose again. And when He rose again, He rose to die nevermore. Nevermore to be dead again. He said Himself, I'm He that liveth, was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So for us in Galatians chapter 2, this is how Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Let's back up to verse 19. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, Paul's, and you know, Paul's not been crucified naturally, literally. His body's not been nailed to a cross. But it's a picture that his old man, the man that he was before regeneration, the the man that served and was a servant to sin. You see, somebody that say, it's such a dramatic change that they're not the person that they were beforehand. Salvation has been dumbed down so greatly and the power of God has been robbed from the doctrine of redemption. And there's many reasons for it. People die, their life was helter-skelter and the family wants to think they're in heaven. So why they, they were justified, they believed in Jesus. Parents or grandparents with children or grandchildren that's lives are all over the place in the world and they want to believe that they're alright and they're just fine 
and they're saved. So they say, well, when they were little, they believed. But the power of God to transform and keep people has been robbed. That's not true, friends. Paul says, I got saved. We were baptized into His death. The old man is crucified. The old man is unable to live like he once lived free from the grace of God. There was a time we were free from the influence of God and we could do as we wanted and as long as our conscience wasn't against it, didn't bother us a bit to serve sin. But the church, the saved, they're no longer free to serve sin like they were before the work of Christ took place in their heart. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So there's still life now. So what's happened? The old man has been replaced with the new man. The old man has been crucified and now the faith of Jesus Christ, that that saved Paul, that that God delivered to Paul, that saved him, he's living by that faith in the Son of God. And remember, (coughs) that the just shall live by their faith. So Paul says, my life now is no longer guided by the old man that was under the influence of Satan and the influence of the devil. That man's crucified, but now I live by the grace of God that's within me. I'm no longer serving that that I once served. I'm now serving and following the Lord Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. In whom ye also are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. So in whom ye also are circumcised, in Christ Jesus, putting off the body of sins. So again, regeneration, the work of God in the circumcising of the heart. It's all a parable and it's all a picture of the same singular work. At salvation, the circumcision, the putting and cutting away of the filthiness and casting it to the side, that's the work that God does in the heart. Cutting away the iniquity and the sin and the filthiness of the old man that the new man that's regenerated in Jesus might live, buried with him in baptism. So the baptism now, that's not to creak. God ordained baptism through John the Baptist, 
through the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe it, when somebody is truly saved, they ought to be baptized. And I believe they'll have a desire to be baptized. But that is not a part of the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. That work is done prior to being dunked in the creek. And it's what John the Baptist said. I can dump you in the river. I can baptize you with water. But that's not what you ought to be most concerned about. There's one coming after me. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So remember that word. It's immersion. Baptizing is immersion. So when the Lord Jesus saves somebody, He immerses them in the fire of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost and fire, tops and shadows all through the book, but cleansing, purifying power of God. So God immerses them in the Spirit and raises up. I think we all know the picture of baptism. We go under the water. That's the old man. What comes back out is a new creature. That's the type and shadow of our water baptism. Well, here, when they're saved and the Lord Jesus baptizes them in the Holy Ghost and fire, what's resurrected back out of there is a new creature. A result of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. So as He says in Romans chapter 6, that Christ was raised, even so we... Well now the Lord Jesus didn't go in the tomb and stay there. We're not going to be baptized under water and stay under the water. Of what value is that? No, the work is completed when the Lord Jesus resurrects victorious. Paul said himself, if he didn't raise your face in vain, everybody that's died, they've perished, and you've got no hope. You're still in your sins. So the Lord Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He resurrected. Well, those in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be resurrected. And they will, as he says here, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The church will be changed by the operation of God just as the Lord Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. The church is baptized into the Holy Spirit of God and what's brought out is not the old man. It's a new man wrought by the power of God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For if... Now notice where the if is. You see this a lot all through the Bible. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall... That's not an if. That's a shall. This is a certainty. The if is conditional. So where's the if at if we've been baptized into His death? There's where the question should always lie. That's not where it lies though because everybody's saved. 
Everybody's been baptized, and some people's been changed. That's what's promoted today. That's not what the Bible says. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, have you been baptized into the death of the Lord Jesus? If you've not been immersed in His death, then He has not died for you. He's not died in your place. Our sins are taken away from us in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So without being baptized into the death of the Lord Jesus, you still have your sins and guilt upon you. And as Kevin said already, you've got no covering for your nakedness. So if you've, been ba- if you've not been baptized in His death, you're lost. You're in danger of the judgment. <clears throat> oh, well, I, I've been baptized into His death. I've been saved. Well, if you have, then you shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Without question. No ifs. No maybes. If you have been saved, you will be resurrected a new creature. You know that it's absolutely impossible (coughs) to be saved and justified and not be a new creature. It's impossible. Remember that. The devil will try to deceive you otherwise. And he will. He'll try to convince you that people's all right, that the family's all right, that everybody's going to get to heaven, and when they die, it's going to be ten times worse because all of these people that don't know their left hand from their right spiritually, they're going to say, why, they're better off. But know this, it is impossible to be saved, to be justified, to be right, and righteous in God's eyes and not be a regenerated, resurrected new creature led by the Spirit of God. So then, those that do not have a resurrected and regenerated life, what's wrong with them? Well, they backslid. Well, they they, they just... they, They believe, I mean... I mean, they made a profession. They joined the church. They're, they just, they're, they're, they're living a little loose right now. Maybe they'll get back in church one day. No, that's excuses made. If they are not a resurrected and regenerate person, a new creature in Christ Jesus, then it's not whether God missed a place in salvation. It's not God that didn't do something for them that He did for somebody else. It's that they've never been baptized in Jesus Christ. Sadly, we've divided things up too much. This is not a divided two-part work. This is one work. Baptized in Jesus is for the justification of the sinner. But we are never baptized and left in the grave. Have you ever seen a preacher baptize somebody and leave them under the water? But as sure as Jesus got up 
The sinner that is laid in Jesus Christ, his faith and his trust and his credit is all on what the Lord did for them. They'll be resurrected a new creature. It's the same work. It's all done at one time by the operation, as he says in Colossians, by the operation of God. Well, it's up to you what you do after you're saved. Really? Can you do as you see fit? Vaughn's asked me a bunch, several times. Could you do that? No. No, I can't. Well, why do you think they can? You know why that is? They're lost. People are unsaved and unregenerated and they're missing the work of God in their heart. Enough excuses are made. Don't make any more excuses. They're either new creatures, God's wrought a work in their life, and they're saved, and they're born again, and they're justified, and they're different people than they were before. And if they're not different, they're not changed, they're not regenerated, then know this, they're lost. They're lost. That's what he says here. If, so that, now, the question in verse 1, can we continue? Can you go on? This works took place, and people's going to go on like they always have and make it to heaven at the end. It's impossible, God forbid. Knowing this, that our old man, now here's the old man, the man that was a servant to sin. It's amazing to me, and maybe this is simple-minded, but that God can speak of an old man and a new man, and we're talking about one person. But every one of you that is truly saved, you know exactly what He's talking about. It's you. But you know the man that was before the regeneration of God. And you know the person you've been after that God saved you. What a work. That old man, the man that was free to serve sin, the man that was led by his father, the devil, the man that was deceived and believed and thought all manner of things contrary to God's word, that old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, <clears throat> that henceforth we should not serve sin. So here's your first hint of it. The old man is crucified, not dead. He doesn't say the old man is dead. He's crucified. He's dying. But you know what crucifixion was? I'll ne- I didn't write down the definition. I'll never get it right, but you can look it up. Crucifixion was a long painful, excruciating means to execute someone. They didn't die when they were hung. They suffered many times for days. That's why they broke the legs of the thieves that were hanging with the Lord Jesus. Because they would have lived on 
for another day or two in excruciating pain and suffering. So the old man's been crucified, but you know what he does? The thieves now, as they're hanging with their weight down, they take their legs that's nailed to the beam and they push up off of that to breathe. You know how long the flesh is going to do that? I mean, if you're hanging there, you're going to push up to breathe as long as you've got any ounce of strength that's there. The flesh is going to fight to get one more breath. One more breath. And when they broke their legs, they couldn't push up anymore. So they suffocated. That was why they broke their legs. So that the flesh fights tooth and nail to live. But you know, being crucified, that greatly hinders. Wouldn't you say? Maybe that's a silly thing to say. But being crucified greatly hinders your ability to live like you want to. So the old man, he's not dead. No, he's. I can attest, the old man's not dead. The old man's still there. And you know what? He's crucified. He is not free to live like that he once lived. He's not free to have his way like he always had his way. But he's still there and he fights for every breath and every opportunity to have his way. He fights. You know how long he's going to fight? Till there's no strength in him. Till he's dead. He'll fight till he's dead. The crucified man will fight for the next breath until he's dead. That's the way we all are. The old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. So here's the goal that we might get rid of sin. Now boy, that is a complete 180 from what we once were, ain't it? I mean, before, we didn't care. And we wouldn't worried about it. Maybe even in some cases, we wanted to sin. We wanted to rebel. We wanted to prove ourselves. But after the work of God, the desire of those that are saved and born again is to do away with as much sin as we can. Destroyed. That word means to render entirely idle, or useless. The goal in the heart of the believer is to do away completely with the old man. We would like, and wouldn't it be wonderful, to be able to get rid of him? What if you could live 24 hours tomorrow and the old man... Now that's our trouble. That that rebels and is contrary to God. What if we could go 24 hours tomorrow without the old man there to hound us. We could do some praying, couldn't we? We could, we could take the Word of God and really do some study then. We could have a service down at the house of God where minds wouldn't be scattered all over the place and we have a hard time, and I'm, I'm human just like you, you've got to bring the man in to hear and pay attention. The flesh don't want to hear. But you get rid of the old man that inward man wants to hear. So the old man is crucified, He's, and our desire is to render him entirely idle, that henceforth, from this point and no further, 
that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, I believe it would be an obvious statement that God does not want His people to be found as servants of sin. Would you say that's a fair statement? And so those that God dwells in, inwardly, they do not want to be servants of sin either. But here, now, you can, you can misstep right here and you can get holier than thou real quick. And that happens a pile. That people are better than people and I'm better off than they are and I live more right than they live. Well, we are, know this, if we're all saved and we're not, I don't want you to think I'm naive and believe that. But if we were all saved, then we would be what we are by the grace of God. And we've all got an old man to struggle with and to fight with. That's there day by day. Don't don't start thinking that you're better than somebody else. Because the truth is, where you're stronger than me, There's a place you're weak too. We're all flesh. We all fight a fight. We all fight a warfare. And thank God that our justification is finished in the Lord Jesus. Thank God that we're just in Him and not in ourselves. So think about that uh, crucifixion. In 2 Kings... 2 Kings chapter 5, you read about Naaman. Naaman, the captain of the host of Syria. He was the one that came to be cured of leprosy. And Elisha sent out his servant. And he had a little fit and said, I thought he was going to do this. But his servant said, just go and wash. Well, this is what he says in verse 17. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burden of the earth. For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods but unto the Lord. Now Naaman, a Syrian, a pagan from a pagan country, yet God has washed him in a figure, baptized him in the river Jordan, and he's come out clean. Now, it's all a picture. We can see what he's talking about in Romans 6. Here's a picture of it. His leprosy has been washed away. The sins have been done away with. But it's not just now that he's free from leprosy. But he says, listen, Elisha, I'm going to go back home and you can rest assured I'm not going to offer any sacrifice to any idol. I'm not going back and worshiping the God that I worshiped before, but from henceforth, from this day forward, I'm going to serve your God and the God that cleansed me. Now there's the heart of somebody that God has washed and purified and cleansed. There's the mindset of somebody that God's done a work in. Boy, that's missing. Many be the time today. People, yeah, I'm justified. I'm right with God. But boy, that thinking, 
I tell you, people are lost. He says in John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 34. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I seen my, with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. He's going to go on and say their father's the devil. So the Lord Jesus says, you have a desire to do evil to me. And the reason you have that desire and the reason you won't believe the Word of God and the reason that you want to serve sin, it's because your Father is not God. It's because your Father's the devil. They're lost. They're lost. They're lost. If God were your Father, you'd do the deeds. Now that's what he says. And he says that of Abraham as well. You say Abraham's your father, but you're not doing like Abraham did. You say the Lord Jesus is your Savior, but you've got no inward desire to please the Lord Jesus. It can't be. This is a work of salvation. As he says in Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to turn and read it just so I don't miss it. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So the Lord took us out of the darkness and by darkness now, that's another word you see a lot through the Scripture. Darkness of sin. Darkness of deception. In darkness you have no perception of what's around you. You can't see anything. Well, there man was. In the darkness of deception, in the darkness of sin, serving the devil, and the God's truth we couldn't even see to have understanding of what we were doing. Heading towards hell and the wrath of God with no idea of where we were going. Be like taking off from here on a cloudy night when there's a new moon with no headlights. We might, you might have enough familiarity to make it around this first curve right here, but I guarantee you you're not going to make it much farther. With no visibility, we're not going to make it. Well, God took us, there we were, in darkness, He took us and translated. That's the closest word right there that you'll find a rapture in all of the book. There, He seized us. He seized us out of that darkness and the place that we were in and He translated. He moved us over into the kingdom of God. And there is the work of salvation 
regeneration, the forgiveness and atonement for sins, as well as, I'm not in darkness anymore, I'm in the kingdom of light. I'm in the kingdom of His Son, as well as the new creature that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all one work. It's done at one time. That henceforth we should not serve to be a slave to. Who are we slaves to? The Lord Jesus said, He that committeth sin is the servant of sin. Peter says they promise themselves liberty. They say that they're free to do as they want. Ain't that what man wants? We just want to be free to do what we want. Okay, well, I, this is what I've always said to that. If you're really free to do what you want to do, then stop sinning. Don't sin next week. Prove to me that you're free to do what you want to do and don't sin. Well, that's what I want to do. Exactly. You're not free to pick. That's what you want and that's what you'll do. There's, the world is slaves to sin. They cannot cease from sin. Well, the church, the redeemed, the desire of God is that we wouldn't be a slave to sin. Now, a slave does everything that its master tells it to do. We're free from sin. Its sin is not our master any longer. So he's, he's going to get to that. Well, let's look in verse 7 and we'll stop. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So that word freed, it means to render, show, or regard as just or innocent. So it is the same word through the previous chapters that's been translated as justified. It's the same word. He that's dead is justified from sin, rendered as righteous, holy, and pure in God's eyes. How is it possible? You know, he says, I think it's in Job. Can a leopard change his spots? How is that possible? Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Is, is that possible? We got people today that think they can change what they are. Is that possible? I can mutilate myself. That don't change what I am, does it? Well, how can sinners, how can a sinner that's guilty and sinful, how can they be justified, rendered as innocent before God? They're going to be baptized into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus made a way that sinners could be justified and freed from the bondage of their sin. We'll continue right there next time.